0: The Kenny Chester podcast. Welcome back to the Kenny Chester podcast. Today we're going to be discussing the death of nuance. What happened to our friend? Where did he go? What was the nature of his demise? Did he commit suicide? Was he murdered? Was he banished from our society? Did he self-deport just by mere shame of what had happened to our conversations? I am excited about talking about it today. If you are too, buckle up. Let's get to work. No, no. It seems to me that he shouldn't be saying that. Well, what is it that you want him to say? Shut him down. So, if nuance is characterized by subtle and often appealing complex qualities, basically, it's something when you're when you're being nuanced, you are taking extreme care to appreciate the fine point distinctions that you have to be very detailed oriented to notice. And so when we're talking about nuance today, we're talking about the ability or the characteristic of something that can shade um, or fill out the context of a conversation or a thing. I mean, it does, it isn't relegated or... Uh, to just having conversation, so a, but a nuanced conversation is something that you can kind of get into uh, the water a little bit and explore the depths and the and the bottom floor and the width and all these things, and that's what nuance is. And so in today's episode, we're going to be discussing what happened to nuance in our conversation. I, and I personally believe, full disclosure, cat out of the bag, that nuance was murdered. That we do not. Uh, deal in nuance today when I say we I mean collective as a society hopefully there are some of us still I hope I'm one of them i hope that you are one of them as a listener if not I encourage you to be someone who can treat things with nuance because not everything is always just black and white and I feel like the reason that nuance was murdered is because people are intellectually lazy that people want to believe in their presupposed um view of the world, the, the, their presuppositions, they, they're so ingrained that they don't want to be challenged um, by the intricate details that may challenge their argument. It's got to be either good or bad. It's got to either be uh, evil or or holy. It's got to be either night or day or, or black or white. And so I think the death of nuance is is a, has a lot to do with our society's um, proclivity these days to judge something instantaneously, to immediately decry something as good or bad, and then 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 collect the social points of being on the right side of history, so to speak, the quote unquote, right side of history. And so today we're going to discuss uh, a few of the ways that nuance exists with the words that we use and how I feel like they're being eroded. In the political conversations of our day, and even in some um, theological conversations, when uh, you get to the spiritual side of things, I feel like uh, to take a nuanced view is 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 dangerous because if we have this binary thinking, everybody has to be this or that. Then, if you at all try to be nuanced, then you are going to catch it at least from one side, and most likely from both. So today, we're going to get into the idea of certain nuances that exist in conversation, or at least did exist before nuance was murdered. Um, and I mean, there's some other theories you might be able to convince him. Maybe it was banished. Maybe it was, uh, uh, maybe it was uh, suicide. Maybe he couldn't stand the way <laughs> or saw the writing on the wall where we were heading as a society and just couldn't stick around for that journey. Um, but that being said, let's go on further and, and talk about what am, I, what am I saying specifically about nuance And then we'll get into some practical examples by the end of today's episode. Um, One of the things that I want to talk about today is the the distinction that used to exist between use and mention. When you use a word, you are invoking everything the word is. And I'm going to give you just a a practical example. If we take the word Kenny, now that is my name. And so if you use the word Kenny, it it would sound something like this. Kenny is six foot one. Now, when you hear that used in a sentence like that, you're not talking about the word itself, you're talking about the person or the thing that that word represents. And so that is the use side of the use-mention distinction. Um, let's, let's, let's take the other side. What, do you, what does it mean to mention a word? Well, if I were to say, Kenny has five letters in it, then I am mentioning the word Kenny, not using the word Kenny. And this is, a, this is an important distinction because both are true. So if I'm mentioning the word Kenny, and I say Kenny begins with the letter K, and Kenny ends with the letter Y. Now, I have to be mentioning that word because as a person, I do not begin with the word K, and I don't end with the word Y. Or the letter Y. I'm sorry, the, the letter K and the letter Y, um, and I don't have five letters. If you if you l- open me up, if you perform an autopsy on me after I pass, you're not going to find five letters inside of me. And so, which one is the truer? The true statement? Well, both of them are true. Why? Because there's a distinction of how you use the word. When you use my name, you're talking about me as a person. You're just using the name. But when you mention the word, then you can talk about the word itself. And so you say, well, that's just a that's a very uh, random distinction, why does it matter in today's discourse? I'm going to tell you why. Because we are, we are now entering into a, a, a piece of history or part of history that wants to disintegrate this distinction, that wants to get rid of it. And so you cannot mention words without them being judged as if you're using those words. And so you let's say there's 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 a word that has been roundly condemned by society as being bad when used. Okay, that is true. But if that word is mentioned, it is not a bad thing. It could be mentioned for a a a, a myriad of reasons. There's there's and, and I'm gonna just address the elephant in the room. Let's say the probably the word that has risen to the level of blasphemy in the society that, that, that I grew up in that, and, and now um, live in is what we call the N-word. The N-word, when someone uses the N-word, it is conjuring up the most vile feelings of hatred and um, maliciousness, I would say. Uh, that that exists in our society, some of that those feelings that can only be brought out when you hear some ignorant moron use this word. Now, when they use the word, it's that it's that case. But let me ask you this: Is it is there a difference between a white supremacist or a racist using that word as a weapon? A you know, a, an ideological weapon or a verbal weapon, um, you know, meant to hurt. When I say weapon, obviously it's not a physical weapon, but used to inflict pain and, and, and shame and humiliation on, on someone. Is, it di- is there a difference between that man using that word and an police officer or a, a lawyer mentioning that word when describing a court case? If a police officer has to be called to the scene, and he has to take record of an incident, if that word is mentioned, because we have to have a record of what happened, is there a difference? Is there a difference when they're arguing in court and for the record, when we say mentioned, we're talking about it needs to be recorded, they mention what word was used. Is there a difference between that? And I would, say, I would argue 100% yes. It has, there has to be a difference. There has to be a distinction between using a word and mentioning the word. And and the reason is because men have created the laws of language. We, we we're we not ruled by the laws of language. We created them. Words within themselves do not have magic powers. We're, we're, we're getting to this point in society where... We feel like there's, you know, we're sorcerers. And, and when you say a word that you, know, you can conjure up some uh, spell, and, and words aren't like that. Words aren't magic spells. We aren't sorcerers. Um, we create the words. We define the words. And we have, the words only have the power that we give them. And so uh, let's take another a, a foul word, uh, and we'll call this the R word, with, that has been used to disparage mentally handicapped people. Now there 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 is a musical term that is, it is when you slow something down outside, like slow down the time signature, you slow down, uh, uh, and I, I might, I'm, I'm, some music buff can probably correct the record here, it might not be slowing down the time signature, maybe you play slower within that time, I don't know how that how that works, it's probably more philosophical <laughs> music than I want to get into, or more uh, uh, academic, with that part of it, but let me just say, the word that I'm referring to, when you, and it's usually the ending of a song, and, and you have to say this, I'm printed on sheet music, you will retard the ending of the of the song and that means everybody slows down together and you retard the ending now you can take that same word and 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 use it to abuse verbally a a mentally handicapped person, or even if you're just joking around with your friends, and we have decided as a society that that is that is faux pas that you shouldn't use that word uh, in that sense. Um, okay, why? Well, it's because we decided, and we we as a society that that word has you know negative connotations and it it shouldn't be used. Okay, well, what if it's a homophone and one word has several meanings? Do we only or do we banish it completely or does nuance matter and this is what we're talking about today is there a is there a balanced way now you say well some words are you know obviously homophones and they they, they don't mean one and for one group what they mean for another group if you're talking to a group of musicians or you're talking to a group of uh, special olympic athletes that word's going to mean a whole lot of different things when spoken in that thing well so what i'm asking what i'm arguing for is a nuanced view of words that might mean something to somebody and might mean something to somebody else. And you say, "Okay, where, all, where is all of this going, Chester? What are we talking about today?" Well, let's get back into the N-word controversy. Um, there's two news stories that I want to discuss in in the death of nuance today, and and I, I want to just put this out here. I, I see this happen all the time. This is very uh, a popular line of argument from. Um, I don't want to call them liberals because they're not liberals. If you're limiting speech, if you're trying to get rid of distinctions of use and mention, you're not liberal. It's actually illiberal what you are. You're actually, you could be a leftist. You could be woke. You could be a woke but you're definitely not liberal if you're trying to restrict language. And so it's not a liberal view. It's a, it's a leftist view. It's a, it's a postmodern view. It's a cultural Marcus, uh, Marxist, uh, not Marcus. If you're listening out there, Marcus, I'm sorry, not you, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that it's that view when you limit language. And so let's, let's, Let's talk about two news stories uh, before we end today's episode. One of them happened last year. Uh, his name was Professor Greg uh, Patton, and he was a business uh, professor, or a professor in the School of Business at uh, University of South Car- uh California USC. And um, he was doing a uh, a tele. Uh, I'm trying to think exactly. It was, because it, I saw the video. He was, he was, it was almost like a Zoom call, but I think it was, he was on with students. And he, this guy is a, he's he's fluent in one of the Chinese dialects. I don't know if it's Mandarin. I'm not exactly sure what, um, what type of Chinese the man was teaching and speaking, but he he's, he's, he's fluent in the language. Um, he's taught it for years. He's made several trips to China. He loves the Chinese people. He loves the culture. Uh, he's immersed himself in that world. Um, and he was, giving a lecture on Filler words. Now, filler words are words that you use when you don't know what to say, or you're trying to make uh, get to the next point. And I'm, this is something I'm trying to do in the podcast. I'm trying to eliminate my filler words. Uh, preachers do this as well. You might hear a preacher say uh, "Amen" after everything that he says, or after every sentence he might say "Come on," or he might say "Praise the holy name of Jesus." Or you know, these are filler words that we kind of they're crutches that we lean on. And he's discussing this in in public speaking, and he says the Chinese people they had. That he's noticed a filler word that exists in that culture there, in the word. I think the translation was, you know, you know, you know, or something like that. It was it was a repeated two word phrase like you know or I know, and they would say it over and over until they could get their next thought out. Well, the translation, the character, uh, obviously, the Chinese alphabet has different characters than our alphabet does, but in their alphabet, the the characters rendered phonetically, nega. And so this professor, in giving the example, he he says he says this, what it sounds like. And it sounded like a racial slur in America. And so there was an outcry against this professor and to the point to where the administration had to remove him from that class. I'm not sure if they fired him eventually or or what, but I know he was removed from that class. And there there was an outcry because there were so many of his uh, the alum. Uh, Chinese alum of the school that come out and said, this isn't, this is lunacy. He said it exactly the way it's it's supposed to be said. Um, It is not racial at all. And, and he was, he was adequately describing a filler word and how to eliminate it from your vocabulary. Well, Within the, the American culture and specifically the academic culture of the uh, western coast in California, these schools, they said, well, it was insensitive because of all the things that were happening in America. And, and so what, 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 goes, what this feeds is this idea of impact over intent. That that it doesn't matter what the person intended, if it impact if the impact was negative, that we judge the thing by the impact and not the intent. And I feel like this is a very dangerous place to be as a society because we we have laws that are centered on in, intent that 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 it matters if you meant to do what you meant or like what you were accused of doing. There, we we have well, there's a difference between first degree murder and manslaughter. And the difference is intent. And, you know, and, and it goes the same with with, with with medicine. There's different levels of, you know, there could be just negligence uh, or there could be a doctor that is intending. There's, there are people that actually have intended to do their patients great harm. And so when we eliminate the distinction and say, well, it don't matter what he intended, it's the impact. I feel like what we do at that point is we give... A blank check to the most offended in our society, and this calls back to uh, a podcast I did earlier. Actually, this is kind of encapsulating several of the podcasts. But basically, it's you know you're you're giving this great power to a uh, a a group that is constantly offended. And when I say a group, I'm not talking about one specific group. I'm saying within every group, if you if you pastor a church, if you work at, at a at a factory, if you work in a hospital, they're, they're in in every organism like that, every every organization, there's going to be a faction that are perpetually offended. And if you give them the power to decide what the author intended or, or to say it doesn't matter if you did not intend this this is how it felt and then you're you're you're, you're going to create a a grievance class that's, that that all they do is remain per- perpetually offended why because it's currency in the grievance economy it, it, if you are outraged if you can take the most innocent phrasing of a man that's talking and using properly the 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 the, the chinese phrase that he was he he didn't get it wrong And everybody that knows the the language knows that he got it right. But if you can say, well, it made me feel bad and run him out of a job or cost him, you know, that that lectureship, I think that we're in a dangerous place. Also, there's there's this idea of um, the author um, when it comes to. Um, making your case, uh, and there was there was a paper written in the seventies. I don't want to get into this day because we're talking about uh, use mentioned distinction mostly. But it's it's this idea of the death of the author. He wrote, he said he wrote this paper, and I don't agree with it. But he uh, he maybe he was just diagnosing it. Maybe he wasn't even saying he agreed with it. But basically, the the, the premise of the paper is that we no longer can look to the author for you know the meaning it it means something different to everybody and we must judge the piece on what it means to people and not what the author means and as someone that that has written some and wants to write more um this is a this is a scary concept if if what what incentive do you have to articulate again nuanced conversations nuanced political views or nuanced religious views what, what incentive do you have to do that? If anybody, you know, your, your worst enemy that wants to take your livelihood and make sure that you get arrested, fined, whatever, you know, whatever the options that they have, if, if your intent gets to be, or your meaning gets to be assigned by the, 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 your worst enemy, I don't think anybody wants to live in that type of society, but that's what we're dealing with here. And so getting back to the use Mention distinction. The last uh, practical example that I wanted to get um, to today, and I understand this: the, the use mention distinction. It's a foundational concept in analytic philosophy that you you, you must have this distinction. But to, to be able to even articulate thought, you must be able to talk about a word without using the word. Or we can't even. I mean, it's, we'll get to the point where it's like that that cannot be named, and and we're thinking like if it if we even mention that word. Um, also, let me before I get into the, the the article. Let me just say this. I think I, I started this while ago, and I, I got down and I went chased a rabbit and didn't didn't finish saying it. There's a, there's an attack that comes from ill liberal people that say, well, white people just want to say the n word, and they're going to do anything they can to say it. Listen, I I believe this argument is 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 the right argument. The use mentioned distinction. I don't want to say the n word, and the reason I'm not saying it today on the podcast. And I actually had a conversation with some people. I was like, you know, if I really believed the use of mention distinction, why couldn't I mention the word and and then if and I don't mention the word, do I really believe in the argument? And I, I and I fleshed this out. I, I argued about this a lot in my head and I took it to other people. And I was like, am I am I big phony because I, I don't believe it? And what I landed on is this this podcast is I want to have a certain sense of decorum. And so just because there you should be able to mention the word doesn't mean you should be able to mention it anytime you want or that you might have a place in a, you know, on a platform that you don't want to say it. Let me, let me put it this way. Like maybe I know that if someone has been sexually abused, that there should be a procedure or process for that person to go into the, uh, proper authorities. They're going to examine they're going to do a a uh, they I don't want to be graphic, but they have they have uh, rape kits that they do. Um, they they talk to people about it. What what happened? What you know? How did this start? How what exactly did he do those things? And so just because you can talk about that doesn't mean that everybody should. That it's not there, there's a part of decorum that the officer needs to know that the investigator, the jurors need to know that the judge needs to know it. The lawyers need to talk about it and use the words. But that doesn't mean it's it, it's you know it's. Should be talked about and discussed in every possible platform. That person that experienced that don't have to talk about it to the neighbor. Even if the neighbor was just mentioning, you know, the things that were that already happened, he wasn't using. So anyway, that's I'm I'm going down the rabbit hole again. Let me just say that that's the reason. The reason I'm not going to use the words on the podcast is decorum. I'll give you another example. My son, who and this is this is a really funny story, um, but it bears out the point. My son. Ha- and his sisters watched the Trolls movie um, a few months ago, and this Trolls movie, they went through different genres of music. I think it's maybe the part part two is World Tour Trolls World Tour uh, for those movie buffs out there. They got to know and. They have different trolls that represent different genres of music. Well, one of the genres is funk. Now, I loved funk music growing up. Uh, I'm a bass player, so I love Bootsy Collins. You know, I love the P-f, uh, P-Funk All-Stars, Parliament. Those, I mean, those were some really great bass lines. Um, and so funk was, you know, was was known in my house. Let me just say that growing up. Well, my son says, man, what is, what is funk? And he used. And this is, I was not here. I'm going to throw uh, my mother under the bus. She's a great nana. She loves her grandchildren. She, he was using Siri, and he says, "What is funk?" Well, let's just say that the the uh, nuances. Here we go. Callback. Nuance. The nuances of the word. He he, he probably didn't really nail that in on there. And Siri replied back. The, the awful F word. And my mother hears this from across the room and she does what any good grandmother does. She takes off like, for, oh no, Julia, give me, you know, give me that. And and he says, I did not say, because it would show you, know, you, it'd be a little graphic on the screen, not a picture, but a graphic. And it says, well, did, you know, and, bring, and it, it brought up the F word. And he goes, I didn't say, and he said the word. He's never cussed. He's never, to my knowledge, he might have at school, T- to my knowledge, he's never heard even that word. And he said, I didn't say that. I said this. And my mother was mortified. And uh, uh, again, and so I talked to my son that day, and my son is very into words. He's very into what words mean and what, what is, you know, Daddy, what is this word? He'll see a word at school, or he'll see a word on a billboard, and I'll, I'll always try to explain it to him. Well, I had to explain to him that word was a very bad word. It was a cuss word. Um, and it was something you could, you could, you could use it in multiple ways, but one of the ways people use it is to basically to cuss people and to be very mean to them and to tell them to, you know, basically get lost. And, and, and I, you know, I, I I tried my best as a father to a seven-year-old to explain it, but here's, here's the thing. My son mentioned that word, but he didn't use it. He didn't use it. And I didn't, he didn't get in trouble. I told him that if I heard him now that he knew say that word, that he would be in trouble because it's something, again, this goes into the the, the realm of decorum as Christians, as a Christian podcaster. I'm not going to say that word, even though I know there's a difference between use and distinction, I mean, use and mention. And so it's about decorum at this point. And so Let's go to our last practical example, and this is very recent. This was a science reporter for the New York Times. His name was Don McNeil. And after the podcast, or even you're listening to it, and you're a multitasker, you can pull up your phone and Google either one of these stories. Here's the thing: there, these aren't the only stories that that involve uh, the death of nuance, and and even the use mentioned distinction. The patent story actually wasn't even. I don't think use mention. It was really just it was another word from another culture. Um, that was more of the impact over intent. And that's something you need to watch for. You're going to see a million articles now that argue uh, impact over intent. And I think it's a dangerous uh, position to take. So back to Mr. McNeil. Mr. McNeil, is a renowned science reporter for the New York Times, or at least he was until a couple weeks ago. And when I say renowned, I think he won a GLAAD award for his reporting uh, on the uh, AIDS epidemic uh, a few years ago. So this guy, he's no, you know, from my understanding, he's a science reporter. He's not, you know, a political reporter. I'm sure he has political views. But he, he didn't get trouble for politics, and I doubt that he's, you know, very conservative, you know, if he's working at the New York Times. And, uh, but he had he just had an outstanding year, uh, f- not because of the pandemic, you know, you know, that was an awful thing. But well, I guess because of the pandemic, because he covered the pandemic, and he's a science reporter. And they say, basically, he was the best in the field for doing that. Well, people, when you are successful like that, people want to take you down. And this is what uh, liberal. Woke people normally do they they and I, I I have so much to say I could probably do a whole another episode on on just what how how they think and what they want to do to people. Well, there was a lot of jealousy uh, concerning him, excuse me uh, concerning him, and so they reupped a an issue from two thousand and twelve in which Mr. McNeil had taken a group of students to a foreign country I want to say Peru, but i'm not exactly sure don't quote me on that one but in this 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 trip with these students, one of the students said that, hey, Mr. McNeil, I had a friend or I don't even know if it was a friend, a, 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 a student, uh, you know, uh, um, somebody that I went to school with was suspended for using the N-word and uh, or using a racial slur. I'm not sure if she even said N-word. And Mr. McNeil, in trying to clarify the situation, he asked a series of questions. He asked, did she say blank? the word. And then he asked, was she quoting rap lyrics? You know, and that's a whole nother argument. That's an easy argument. I don't want to get into that. That's to me, that's some shallow stuff. But, you know, obviously if the word, if, if, if the tension doesn't matter and there's no difference, you know, then in words have magic powers, then we, there's a lot to, uh, clean up in the rap industry. But the, I digress. Now, we're not talking about that. We're talking about this man not using the word and trying to clarify a a a real life situation where someone was kicked out of a school, and so he went through and and asked some questions as a good journalist would and figure try to figure out what was going on in this situation before he could even weigh in on if it was good or bad that she uh left school. And the point is not what she The point is not this student that got kicked out. That's not the point of the story. You know, whether she deserved it or not, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is this journalist, this award-winning science journalist was just asking questions to try to understand a situation that someone asked him to comment on. And they, someone was upset when they heard him mention the word. And so they filed a complaint. Well, the New York Times did their due diligence, or at least they said they did. And 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 come to the correct uh, conclusion in my opinion the correct conclusion was he did not use the word he mentioned the word probably shouldn't have you know if he would have looked around and noticed and said well somebody might be offended by me even mentioning the word but obviously Mr McNeils not a racist he didn't use this word in a derogatory sense he was mentioning it about an incident and and they they maintained that distinction well Now, uh, flash forward uh, all the way to 2021, just a couple months ago, or just a month ago, I think, Mr. McNeil, again, is in hot water for the same situation. And at this point, uh, they get him because New York times, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, uh Andrew Clavin would say New York times, a former newspaper, <laughs> if, if you haven't been paying attention, they've been, they've been adopting some real, uh, illiberal uh, values there at that newspaper. And they've ran out several good, uh, journalists. They've run out several good editors because of, of, of their illiberal leanings over the last, um, several years. Well, they've got a, they've got a, a, a chief, uh, executive, uh, ex- uh Editor, his name is Dean Banquet, and this happened uh, like I think last month or a couple weeks ago. Well, just this week, they come out with a, some more internal internal uh, memos that kind of uh, added nuance to what was going on. And I, I, I recommend anybody that's listening and wants to know more about the story go look it up. And 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 as as of now, Mr. McNeil has released I think with Medium.com his accounting of of what had happened, and it's truly. Insane! It's really, really insane. One of the accusations that Mr. Banquet leveled against him was that he lost the new room, newsroom. Like this is good lord! Like, well, I mean, what this? Like, it's like it's it's like high school. What? Who cares? What science reporter worth his stock cares if he has the approval of the newsroom? And this is just one of those situations where um, the clowns take, have taken over the circus, man. And you're supposed to have an, you know, an institution with credibility that you can go to and get facts. And and now you can't even. There's not even a distinction between use mentioned. And I did something. I thought this was really. I was like, you know what? I wonder how many times. The New York Times as a paper, as an institution, has used the N-word in the reporting. And so they have a feature on their website that you can search any word and any article that appears with that word in it uh, will be filtered through and you can see. And I did this and... As of just one year ago, I just was, I limited it. I I I could have you know you could load more pages and see, but on the first page, going from today all the way back to February of 2020, just a just a calendar year, um, they had over 20 articles that featured the N word, and and I read a few of the articles, and that you know what they were doing? They were mentioning the word as a part of hate crimes or as a part of some white supremacists, but that's exactly what. Mr. McNeil did, he mentioned the word, he didn't use it. And so if the standard is now, intent doesn't matter, impact over intent, and there's no use mentioned distinction then it would seem to be ideologically consistent the new york times would have to fire every art, uh, journalist that worked on those stories and probably just shut down as an institution which i'm not going to lie to you i wouldn't i would not miss it because it's I, I don't know if they're redeemable at this point i don't know if they can get back the public trust that they've lost and squandered over illiberal um Values over the course of the last, and it's not even just been last year. It's been just issue after issue after issue. And so is is there good articles that come out of the New York Times? Absolutely. They've been doing some really good reporting over the last few days over their governor, Andrew Cuomo, which that, that could be a whole other episode. But anyway, so that's where I'm ending today. Just, we, we have to have nuance. Uh, maybe it can be resuscitated. Maybe we can bring it back, make it, make it, uh, fashionable again to have nuance because uh, without it, man, we're just, we're going to be throwing bombs at each other, believing the worst in each other, and then giving power to our worst enemies. I don't think we should do that. Thank you for listening today. God bless. You've been listening to the Kenny Chester Podcast. Please consider subscribing and leaving a review.